Hello and welcome to GSO Connect. This is your opportunity to learn more about the city of Greensboro and the hardworking people who make things happen in this beautiful city. At the city of Greensboro, we're purpose-driven, people-centered, and data-informed. And behind all of that are people who actually make it happen. This podcast is an opportunity for me as your city manager to connect with our residents and provide an environment that allows you to hear directly from the people who serve you 24-7. This is not just a forum to hear from me as a city manager necessarily, but from various individuals who work in different departments, divisions, and offices about the work they do every day to make our city the most desirable mid-sized American city. Over the course of the podcast, we have a lineup of guests that will join me. And we're going to have so much fun, but at the same time, we're going to learn about the city, the vision, and operations of our city in the process. This is our third episode, and our guest today is Michelle Kennedy, our Director of Housing and Neighborhood Development. Some of you might have met Michelle, some of you might have heard about her, but today is an opportunity to actually learn about what she does and what her team actually does for our city. In my few months here, she's made an impression of me as a hardworking and very creative talent with a huge sense of humor. So welcome, Michelle. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. So, Michelle, you, you have a very unique relationship and story with the city of Greensboro. Um, you were the head of a premier advocacy group, the uh, Interactive Resource Center. And then you ran for council seat, and you won. And then you became a director of the department. Now, not many people can tell that story, how you went from advocacy to council member, obviously being a politician, and then becoming an administrator. Um, so not many people can tell that story. So tell us, how did this happen? I think it was really just a series of bad choices. <laughs> no. Um, I hear you on that one. <laughs> I, I never intended to get into the political arena at all. It was really an after effect of seeing the issues of poverty and homelessness mm -hmm. and lack of housing yeah. continue to be issues and really wanting more change. Mm -hmm. So I was really interested in moving into that kind of policy piece. And so that's what led me to run for council. And of course, I entered that with the largest at-large field of uh, candidates we'd ever had. Uh -huh. And the first time the city was doing four-year terms. So oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but I spent uh, just shy of four years on council. Okay. And the reality for me is while I recognize the huge value and importance of those policy level decisions, I think I'm just built to be somebody who's in the work and mm -hmm. in the community that I'm working with. Roll up your sleeves type of thing. Yeah. yeah. And so moving into that administrative role within housing and neighborhood development allows a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really good spot for me. It's a good fit. It's in, it's interesting, though, because then what what this does is that on one hand, you've worked um, in the community for an advocacy group, and then you worked for the community as their elected representative. And now you are serving the community, so to speak, as um, a department head. And IRC, uh, the Interactive Resource Center, let's talk about them briefly, um, where you were. Um, it's a hub and it, an opportunity to help uh, support, really a supportive group for mm -hmm. our homeless community. And that's so needed, uh, maybe more so than ever before. So talk about your role there and um, how that has actually shaped your thinking, not just as a council member uh, previously, but now as a staff member. Sure. You know, it's funny, I was living in Los Angeles, uh, living in South Central mm -hmm. and doing work around housing. 
And uh, I had joked to somebody that, that there were a couple of organizations I would move home to lead, mm-hmm. and the IRC was one of them. And pretty quickly, their founding executive director announced her retirement. <clears throat> and so I came back, and I came into an organization that was really built on the voices of lived experience. The IRC was built from people experiencing homelessness, community leaders, elected officials, all coming together to Mm -hmm. figure out how to address the needs. And so that's kind of the core of that organization. Mm -hmm. I spent um, eight years there really building from that and working to get the IRC to a place where they were professionalizing their services without losing their culture and their Mm -hmm. core of who they were. And It really does frame the way I do the work that I do now because I would never dream of going into a community and telling them what they need. I know all too well that you have to hear that from the people who live there. Their Mm -hmm. voices matter far more than mine. So it's a really valuable tool in the in the both as a council member and in the position I have now. You use the phrase lived experience. Um, That's in other words, you're not really telling them something. It's really bringing about the experience that they go through on a day-to-day basis. How do we use this to actually help them, but also how then they can in turn help others, right? Mm-hmm. I'll talk a little bit about that. You know, I used to, we used to have conversations and when I would try to explain to people what that meant when you talk about homelessness, mm-hmm. the majority of our homeless community in Greensboro are working age black men. Mm. that's just the truth. And I used to say, you know, I'm going to be a lot of things in my life, but what I'm never going to be is a working age black man. Mm. And I can't, that's not my perspective. It's not my life. It isn't happening to me. And so I need them to frame and shape what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, Mm. what they really see as important to drive the work. It's really easy, I think, particularly the higher you get in Mm -hmm. any professional capacity to think that you know more than the folks on the ground. That's and true. I think it's a huge mistake. It is. It is. So, Yeah. You know, I, I tell people, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, that you probably have the most challenging job in the city right now. Well, as a city manager, people Except for yours. say that maybe I do. But at this point in time, you've got a very challenging job. Uh, we just started to talk about your previous experience with the IRC and helping to support our homeless neighbors. Uh, in the city, but you, you've got a tough job to navigate from policy to regulations to compliance, and just, just a whole lot of things. So tell us what a day in the life of Michelle Kennedy and her team, what that really looks like and how, how, how do you respond um, you know, on a day-to-day basis to some of these things that really require immediate responses? So, you know, we we had a staff meeting yesterday, and that was really what we were talking about, is how do we make sure that we're coordinated well enough that people aren't having to lay themselves bare in organization after organization Mm -hmm. to get the help they need. Um, There is no standard day when you do this kind of work. In many ways, it's crisis work. In many ways, it's strategic work. It's policy work. So... You know, your morning can be spent talking about an affordable housing development that we're trying to get off the ground and the afternoon spent with someone who's just found out that a place they live is being condemned Mm -hmm. and we need to find emergency shelter for. It's really everything that comes into the continuum of housing from being on the streets to home ownership and all points in between happening all at once. Mm -hmm. But I really love it. And I'm really lucky that I have a team that has extremely high capacity 
a high degree of commitment to this work mm-hmm. and who's really interested in innovating. Yeah, and, and you're obviously opening yourself to a lot of criticisms too. I mean, because the things that you deal with, um, you know, they're tough issues and they impact the community directly. I, I know there are a number of us who the things we deal with are long term. I mean, people can wait for a plan to be adopted and then gradually implement. But when it comes to, you just mentioned it, crisis, comes to evictions or someone dealing with um, homelessness, we talked about that, or there are code violations. So we talk about white flag, which, you know, I'd like to, to talk a little bit more about that, nuisance and abatement. These are things that can't wait. And these are things that you may not necessarily even please everyone in terms of your response. So tell us how you navigate some of these things and how you make an impact in some of these areas. So I really believe in data-driven decisions. Mm -hmm. And in the work that we do, there's a lot, there's a really robust field of evidence-based best practices. Mm. So I have good guides, right, for this work. So it's not left to opinions, right? Like there's there are things that tell us what works and why. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have the perspective of I've you know I've stood in an a doctor's office and literally watched cockroaches be pulled out of the ear of a three year old. Wow. I've stood at the IRC on a night that was you know in the teens and literally watched someone lose his toes from from Close hypothermia. So it's the human part of it, and it's the data part of it. It's the combination of those two things. And at the end of the day, the people that my staff and I, besides you and your mm-hmm. staff, mm-hmm. Uh, really owe something to are the residents of the city of Greensboro. Mm. And as long as we are laser-focused on moving forward in best practices and in ways that are going to get us to the end goal of housing, mm-hmm. which is a human right. Yes, then that's really the work for us. And it doesn't always make everybody happy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's surprising how many people it makes angry at one time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to me, as long as you have good data to back you up, good evidence for why you're making the decisions that you're making, you have to just stay the course because when it's all said and done, it's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's really seeing that impact, visible impact. You touch people's lives um, in the community or whether it's someone who calls to report a violation or someone who calls to say that a property owner is going to evict them or has increased their rent. And these are people, these are emotional issues um, and law enforcement can't handle all of this. And right. You know, it's, it's, it takes a lot of uh, patience, right? Yes. Commitment, compassion, and, and being understanding of that what this person is going through is something that we want to resolve, but we also don't want it to multiply. So as a growing community, if we don't step in, these issues only multiply unless we do something. That's right. Yeah. So, Michelle, you talked about white flag. Uh, you talked about the fact that um, you've seen someone whose toe was cut off. Um, we're gradually getting into the fall and, and winter uh, period. and we're going to be uh, moving into uh, colder weather. So how does our community respond to the needs of the homeless uh, and people who are facing eviction during a colder weather? Um, you know, that's when we talk about white flag. So talk to us a little bit about that. You know, it was really born in the fall of 2014. Okay. And it was at the time the development, the director of neighborhood development 
uh, Jim Robinson, who's now our fire chief, mm-hmm. and myself, who wrote our white flag plan. Mm-hmm. And we're really proud of the fact that in all these years, we haven't lost someone in the city of Greensboro to hypothermia because of the plan we put in place. That's great. It's not perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not ideal, but the goal is to keep people alive during mm-hmm. life-threatening conditions. Mm-hmm. And we've done a really good job of that with our partners in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never had a time where we had to turn someone away in that process. We've had partners who've been extremely nimble in creating additional space. Mm-hmm. And White Flag is is not case management. It's not a program. It is a one night. It's too cold for you to be outside. Let's keep you alive till morning. That's good. And that's what that program's really about. And um, we've had a lot of success in the way that we've done it. Almost 10 years, and we haven't lost anyone. That's uh, right. Knock on wood. Yes. Uh, we're hopeful that as we go into it, we're going to be able to meet more needs. And and really be able to address those as we go. So with you, um, since I came almost seven months ago, um, you, you've you gone through what if a few directors have actually gone through as department head. You've been moved from one reporting responsibility to another. Um, and in that process, we had an assistant city manager who left. But I'm impressed that you've been able to pivot quickly uh, in that process. Uh, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it can be tough adjusting. So share with a number of, uh, share with our audience and the number of uh, employees who may be listening in, um, what does it look like for you as a department head whose res- reporting responsibility changes and yet you're still able to keep your focus? Yeah, it's a, moving from a council position to a department head position is a really interesting thing. Yeah. Um, I tell people all the time I'm really happy to be on this side of the dais. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll go back again to something you talked about earlier. I spent most of my career in crisis work. Mm. So I'm never married to one thing permanently. I realize that things can shift quickly. Mm-hmm. Priorities can yeah, shift quickly. Needs true. can shift quickly. Yeah. So it really cued me up pretty well to be able to to pivot and to flex Mm -hmm. as long as we're staying the course of kind of what our overarching goals and mission are. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of my comfort zone. It doesn't really bother me to need to to adjust or to to move as long as we're not straying from the core of our mission. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's critical for municipal work. You have to know how to do that. Because one minute you could be with someone from the community, and the next minute you're with someone at the state or national level mm-hmm. having a conversation. And so knowing the room, being able to read the room, and yeah. adjust to that is pretty important. Very important. This actually fits into um, the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and that is you typically sign your emails in community. Uh, it's the first time I would say anyone uh, did that. but. You, you mentioned something about understanding the core of our mission. I'm assuming that that's why you signed. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, that's the work to me, right? Mm-hmm. And that's it's really just a reminder to myself that that's why I'm here, mm-hmm. that it's about building community. It's about building neighborhoods. It's about making the decisions that make us all stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, when I lived in Los Angeles in my office, there was a big sign, and it came with me to the IRC, and it's now in my house that said nothing about us without us is for us. You're mm. probably mm-hmm. familiar with I love that. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really true. Yeah. So for me, we're always stronger together. 
and I don't mind, you know, back and forth and push and pull. I'm I'm all for hearty, spirited discussions mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because I think that's where innovation comes from. Mm-hmm. And the more people we have that are really engaged in building community, the more likely that what we're going to create is yes. sustainable yeah. and is what's really needed. It is. It is. Absolutely. And without it, we can uh, we cannot achieve anything unless you have that spirit and that mindset. We are here for the community therefore it's bigger than us right uh, it's about the people that we serve and that we wake up every single day to hope that by the time we leave we've made a difference in in an individual's life so finally i'll put to you um this is what inquiry minds want to know <laughs> <laughs> what's your plan to make greensboro the most affordable city in north carolina i mean what's your plan mr city manager <laughs> i'm I, depending I've served- on you <laughs> Uh, no, I think in all honesty, uh, it's going to take a kitchen sink approach. It does. Right? It will, no doubt. The status quo isn't going to get us there. Mm-mm. It's time for innovation. It's time to look at new housing models that we haven't considered before, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's tiny houses, container houses, you know, triplexes, mm-hmm. models that we haven't had in Greensboro, um, co-housing, yeah. all sorts of things. But we've got to be willing to step out into that mm-hmm. and try it. And move away from what we are so accustomed to and so used to. Mm-hmm. And it's scary, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's going to take all those things and more. We're yeah. watching you know, rental rates outpace income at a mm-hmm. rate we've never seen. Um, we're watching people who never in a million years imagined that they'd be facing eviction and homelessness. Mm-hmm. Standing on the cusp of that with no housing options available to them. Yeah. So it's everything from, you know, landlord incentives to try to keep housing affordable mm-hmm. to the creation of affordable rental uh, units to the creation of affordable home ownership units yes. to get us there. It'll take all that work. And it's a big body of work. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of ideas, but a whole lot of people, uh, resources, time, money, uh, working through regulations. Some regulations, maybe they're even state mandated that we may not be able to do anything about, but we can walk around them. Uh, So you're right. Well, you can count on my support. You can count on our support. I believe that affordable housing is going to be very critical, uh, especially as we graduate young people and as um, seniors, um, you know, people move into retirement and they need their income stays the same, but things begin to continue to increase. And how do we make sure that people can still continue to live their life in this city of 300,000? and really believe that we have their best interest at heart. So, well, thank you, Michelle. Uh, It's been good to uh, chat with you today. Any final thing you want to share with us in terms of the affordable space or the homelessness space, whatever, is your few seconds. No, I mean, thanks for having me. I guess I better get back upstairs and get back to work. (laughs) Making a difference, positive difference in the lives of everyone. So uh, for our listeners, the GSO podcast is your one source for learning about your city staff like Michelle, the work that they do on a day-to-day basis, how it affects your lives on a very, on a daily basis. It allows listeners to provide us with their ideas for improving what we do and how we can do a better job of doing this every day. You can reach us at connectgso at greensboro-nc.gov. Connectgso at greensboro-nc.gov. Thank you.